This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Robins on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Hello and welcome to episode 104 of Robins on the Wire. We're back again to review everything Bristol City and unfortunately it's not good times at the moment, isn't it? After uh, back-to-back defeats at Ashton Gate that have kind of tempered the mood after everything was going hunky-dory following a great win at Fulham and... And obviously that 5-2 win in BS3 against Huddersfield Town. Unfortunately, yeah, back to uh, that wretched home record. And I'm going to start off this episode by discussing a little bit of the Millwall game. And then I'm going to hear from my guest, uh, who is this week Richard Latham, the long-term reporter um, in the southwest, covering both Bristol City and Bristol Rovers. He's been watching Bristol City games for some 40 years. I'm going to introduce him properly in a second. But, yeah, let's just start off by discussing, first of all, the Bristol City game at the weekend. This, these are just my thoughts here, because um, I recorded the interview with Richard Latham following the game at Ashton Gate. So, yeah, just... Just on the uh, sorry, the Blackburn defeat. It was a obviously follows quickly after the Millwall loss in midweek, and another early goal conceded. Just sixty-five seconds, we made it. As Bradley Johnson, who I have to say had a fantastic game for the visitors at the weekend, stole in at the near post and sort of blasted Lewis Holtby's low corner into the into the top corner of the net. Who do you put a blame for that goal? I've watched it back a couple of times. I'm not sure you can really pinpoint anyone. I wondered if there was some blocking in the area, but I haven't been able to uh, exactly pick up on anything. Uh, Famer Jeju maybe could have got out and blocked it a little bit quicker than he did, and maybe if anyone, it's, it's his fault. Unfortunately for Bristol City, that's another set-piece goal conceded. Obviously, they conceded a couple against Wigan recently. Shea Dunkley scored a couple of headers, didn't he? And... I, I have been wondering if it, this is a weakness in this Bristol City team. And actually, somebody has pulled out all the data from the set-piece goals this season. And actually, Bristol City come off not too bad in it. They're, they have one of the best records for goal scoring on set-pieces. They've scored 10 goals from set-pieces this season. I think only two teams can better that. At the other end, however, the record is not good. That was their ninth goal conceded from a set-piece against Blackburn Rovers and that puts them uh, towards the, the bottom half of the championship for that. So there's a lot of work to be done there. Jamie McAllister, who we're actually going to hear from later in this podcast, is the man who I believe works on the defensive set pieces. So I've asked him about this directly, whether the club will be working on it and he's got a reply for us later on. So we'll come on to that. Uh, just a general discussion of Bristol City's form because obviously that now makes it uh, three home defeats this season, just four wins at Ashton Gate in the league this season, four draws as well. So we're looking at the, the wider trend here, and that does make it, unfortunately, just six wins in the last 19 league games at Ashton Gate. So there definitely is a, a spell of wretched form. I think a lot of people's frustrations, and, and this is what I share, is that it did feel like Bristol City had turned the corner with that Huddersfield game, town game recently, and the, the great 5-2 win 
That's the only time this season that Bristol City have scored more than two goals at home. I remember this time last year, it was a kind of similar circumstances and Blackburn Rovers visited then and they were smashed 4-1. And that was the only time actually in the first third of the season that Bristol City hit more than two goals at home in the league then. So very similar to last year. I've done a little bit of more digging this week. I've looked at the expected goals trend. Now, expected goals is, is really about chance creation, and it's about, the, the on average, the goals that would have been scored. And if you look carefully at the end of like places like Match of the Day, they use these stats. So we thought we'd have a look at them too. And it does show that Bristol City, over the last three years, have tightened up a little bit in terms of the chances that are being created by the opposition. So that's the good news. The bad news is that, unfortunately, their, their goals, the chances that they're making themselves, are, are, are decreasing, diminishing. And, yeah, is it, obviously, they're not being taken. So there's a little bit of, of yeah, the, the club needs better strikers or, or more goal scorers in the team. But it's also a little bit about um, the chances being created are not, are not good enough. So... A fair amount there for Lee Johnson to get right because, as I say, it is a, it is a wretched record now, and this is becoming a, a long term problem. And it's it's something that the head coach really needs to get right. Just finally, before we we come on to my guest guest this week, I um, wanted to discuss just. Uh, Sam Schmodix and Antoine Semenyo being the forward options on the bench this week, and I said to Lee Johnson after the game that, with the greatest respect to those two players, they are two guys that that basically were, were doing good things in League Two last season. And to step up to the Championship and go up two levels is, is something that we've not seen many players able to do. If you think Moiza, he's got, he's, he wasn't able to do it and he's gone back down. He's do, doing very well in League One, admittedly, at the moment, but it didn't work out for him at Ashton Gate. And I don't think we can expect too much from the likes of Schmodix and Semenyo. And so after that, I did ask Lee Johnson if, this, if it's an indication that Bristol City need to spend in January. And that's the way I read things at the moment. I think they really do need some reinforcement. I think the head coach has done a fairly good job, but he's probably got the most from these players that he can do. And he now needs backing from the Lansdowne family to, to really push on. And Bristol City announced very good financial results not so long ago. The Bristol Bears made an amazing world-class signing in Semi Rodrada, the, the the exciting Fiji winger recently. So that makes me think: can, can we see something similar at Ashton Gate? That is that is the hope, um, and that's how I see things progressing. So yeah, basically hopeful that they can get things right regarding recruitment in January, and we're going to see some upturn in results. I do also wonder if. Basically, a lot of games in close succession has had a little effect on some of the younger players in the team, the likes of Adam Nagy, uh, obviously Hannah Masengo, Nicholas Elias, and even Josh Brownhill. He's only 23 still. These guys probably just lacked a little bit of zip. That's what Lee Johnson said for the Millwall game. And I think that carried over to the Blackburn Rovers game. They were out-muscled, they were out four. Even uh, Lee Johnson possibly on the sidelines as well as he clashed with a masseur from the Blackburn Rovers bench at half-time. There's a bit of pushing and shoving in the, in the, in the tunnel as the, both teams went in at the break, but nothing too much came about that. So, yeah, that's my view on, Mil, uh, on sorry, yeah, the Millwall and the Blackburn Rovers defeats and how we saw it. And after the Blackburn Rovers game, I caught up with Richard Latham, as I say. Now, Richard is a long-term reporter on both Bristol clubs. He used to work at the Bristol Post 
As of Sunday, he had been covering Bristol City for 40 odd years, including, as I say, writing for them for our own esteemed publication, if, if you can call it that. And he's yeah, uh, uh, somebody who is always in the press boxes of, of clubs around here. You might know him from Subsbench. We run the video series, video interviews on the we- website every week. And this is what Richard had to say about covering the Robins over the long period and also a little bit of a discussion really about the the times for both clubs down this way from the city and also the way that media works covering football and football journalism and, and, and the growing media side that the clubs operate themselves, including the role of the press officer. Here's what Richard had to say. Where do we start then, Richard? 40 years covering Bristol City from Sunday, is that correct? From tomorrow. Uh, it was December the 15th, 1979, and I covered my first City game as a reporter for the Bristol Evening Post, as it was then, away at Norwich, and just like today, City lost 2-0, uh, and that was in the First Division, the old First Division, what's now the Premier League, so um, it was quite an ordeal. I remember being frightened to death of interviewing Alan Dix, who was the manager, and Jerry Gow, who was the fiery Scottish midfield player, after a City defeat, but both were, both were brilliant. And, um, in fact, the first three seasons I covered the club, they went down every season. Because that was the last season in the first division, and I covered about five or six games when Peter Godsiff wasn't covering them. He then continued to cover them in the old second division, and they got relegated. And I did a few games then, and, and they got relegated again. And then the third division, I did even more games, they got relegated again. Oh until finally Peter handed over the job to me, um, in 1982, when they were... Uh, starting in the fourth division and he didn't fancy too many trips to Hartlepool and Darlington uh, which I had to undertake but um, I, I was thrilled because it was my dream job it was the job I wanted as a kid uh, I was a City fan and brought up in Western Supermare and um, I wanted Peter Godsey's job from about the age of 12 when I, when I realised I wasn't going to be good enough to play for Bristol City um, so then I had to cut a long story short I had um, 14 years um, working for the Evening Post from 1979 in which I Travelled home and away with City for 11 of them. Uh, Travelling on the team coach, which was great. And um, had some, some, you know, really good times as well as some not so good ones. Um, and then from 1993, the last 25, 26 years, I've been freelancing and covering Bristol Rovers home games as well as Bristol City. So I've seen some great Rovers days as well. Um, obviously with the more recent, most recently the two promotion seasons and that sort of thing and, and the, the Lee Mansell penalty at Wembley and that sort of thing. So it's not just Bristol City, I have to stress, but all that time, all those 40 years I have been covering Bristol City home games. I wanted to ask you about some of your highlights over that time, um, and I'm sure you're going to mention, obviously, the Freight Trophy win. Obviously, you had your book come out um, not so long ago, and um, that great team and Terry Cooper, obviously. I assume those guys were all in there. Well, that was the best day for me, because when you're, when you're, as you'll find, when you're a young reporter, you, you're more, more on a level with the players, and as you get older, or as in, in the times gone by, anyway, as you got older, you more or less got more to do with the manager, or more the age of the manager, or more the age of the directors, and, and uh, I started to have a better relationship with them than the players. But in 1986, I was still only four years into the job. Uh, I was only 30 years old myself. And um, so I, I could deal with the... You know, I was on a good relationship. I used to go out with some of the players. I used to play snooker with Howard Pritchard and, and um, go out drinking with some of the lads and, and had all their home numbers. And, and, and it was like one little family under Terry Cooper. He, he made sure I felt part of, the, part of the family. So to sit on the bench that day at Terry's... Uh, permission with Terry's permission and watched my team win 3 0 at Wembley on a lovely afternoon. That had to be the best day. I think I'm right in saying I've covered five promotion seasons, um, and the managers were 
Uh, Terry, first of all, from the old fourth division. Joe Jordan. Um, and then John Ward. And then Gary Johnson. And then Steve Cottrell. I think those, I think those are the five. Um, and where City are now is pretty much as high as they've been in my time covering them because they've, they've, they've never gone back, unfortunately, to the Premier League uh, since the uh, late 70s. And, and so I've watched a lot of championship football, lost a lot of League One football. Um, and Ash, I've seen Ashton Gate change out of all recognition. I couldn't find my way around the place now, whereas I used to, I used to know every, every room and every cupboard and every, every bit member of staff and everything. Um, I wouldn't be able to find my way around the ground now, so that's wonderful, wonderful credit to Steve Lansdowne and everybody here. Uh, fantastic stadium now, and we just need a team now to, um, to go with it. They can get to the Premier League, and they're not that far off. One of the things as a reporter you have to do, obviously, is the press conference. Are there any memorable press conferences oh. that come to, come to, immediately come to mind, or are there any you can tell us about? It? If not, uh, <laughs> not so much. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, uh, I, I've, I've attended somewhere, not necessarily I've been on the receiving end, but other people have. I remember a, a lad called Graham Baker who worked for the Daily Mirror in the very early days I was reporting. Lovely lad, Graham, who very sadly died very young. Um, and he asked Ron, he started a press conference by saying to Ron Atkinson after a goalless draw, I can't remember who Ron was managing at the time, maybe in West Brom, not sure. Um, not much of a game, Ron. And Atkinson just went off on a complete effing and blinding, I thought we're to hear my effing opinion, not your effing opinion. And, I, and Graham listened to all this and then said very obsequiously, I think what I meant, Ron, when I said not much of a game, Ron, was not much of a game, was it, Ron? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, well, I don't need to listen to your bloody opinions. I, I, I've had some, uh, Bob Houghton in my very early days, after Alan Dix, Bob Houghton was the next one I dealt with. And over the phone one day, over a match report, I think every other word used was an F. And, and, and uh, I was a really young reporter at the time. And I remember saying to Peter Gossip, who by then was sports editor, you know, Bob Houghton's not very pleased with me, you know, and I'm holding the phone there almost. And he said, well, you, you want to go down and see him, sort this out straight away. I'm thinking, Christ, he set me alive over the phone. Do I want to go down and actually see him? And, and then I remember Peter saying, do you want me to come with you? And I thought, oh, I can't say yes, because, you know, if I'm going to do this job, I've got to go down. And sure enough, I went down and Bob Houghton was in the boardroom and put his feet up on the table and I sank down into this chair so I was so far below him. And uh, he continued where he left off. Uh, so I would say he was one of the more frightening ones. Uh, Joe Jordan wasn't easy. Joe was, uh, I had a great respect for Joe as a very honest and lovely, uh, nice guy, but he, was, he had a bit of a blind spot for the media and dealing with him each day wasn't easy um, other managers have been fantastic Terry Cooper was probably the best ever he would make up a story if there wasn't one <laughs> for us to make sure we had Bristol City on the back of the Evening Post and John Ward was very very good I got on very very well with John uh, and since then there's been a lot of good ones you know more good ones than bad ones and more good players than bad ones I've been pinned up against the wall about three times by City players I can name them but I won't um, over that huge long period um, I remember every one of them but mostly players are very very honest about their own performances and um, you'll find us I'm sure if it's anything that gets you into trouble it's usually merit marks or, or something you know particularly what seems not very much um, I, I've, I've, so I found players to be very honest it's usually the manager or the directors or chairman who get upset with something that you write and sometimes it's the most innocuous thing um, but most of us but that's far outweighed by the many many friends I've made you know and you know, people who've gone on from city to a higher place like David Moyes and uh, other, many others who, who I can meet now and, and still get on with really well and treat like friends which is a little bit more difficult for your generation because you deal with media offices so much and we, we dealt far more directly we'd go to training every day and, and watch the players and 
but like 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 us or not, that we were always there, you know, and and so they got to know us better. Whereas now I'm in the same boat as you that they come up, you know, they nominate a couple after a game or one after a game or maybe even none, and uh, that's when you see them, and you, you can't on that basis get any sort of relationship. So you, you end up with a relationship maybe with the manager or somebody else, but much more difficult with the players. I regret that. I think relationship with the players was was was, was great in my time, and uh, I'm glad I did it when I did. Yeah, I was going to ask you about the changes of, in football you've seen over the over the 40 years and at clubs and with managers. Um, have you seen the managers actually change much? Um, maybe. Yeah, I, th- I think I think the introduction of media officers has, has changed managers a bit. I think they they they're more defensive perhaps than they were, and I think sometimes the media officers overstep their mark a little bit with with protecting managers and trying to tell them not to get themselves into any deep water. That's not really their job. The job of a media officer to start when they were first brought in was to bridge the gap between the press and the manager and not to protect the manager and, th- and push the press further away, which sometimes, I'm not saying it happens here, but it happens at a lot of clubs and you all have come across, you know, press officers who try and deny you access or, or try and stop their manager talking and that's that's not really their job um, so I think managers have become a bit more defensive and they talk it talk around, uh, I think we're lucky with Lee Johnson at the moment, that he's he's very good and the media guys here are very good um, but there there is, is a feeling that, you know, I've, I've seen pe- opposing managers come into press conference almost flanked by two or three press officers who are sort of glaring at everyone and saying, you know, don't ask him any awkward questions and I mean that goes totally against how, how I was brought up, I was always told by Peter Godsiff that I'm not writing for the club I'm writing for the supporters. So, and he said, if you don't fall out with the club at least three or four times a season, you're not doing the job properly. And I've always adhered to that. And and so, if I do upset Lee occasionally or, or whatever, I think, well, you know, that's bound to happen. If you're going to do the job with any credibility, you've got to criticise when necessary. And um, you know, we've got a fabulous relationship with Lee. But um, it, th- there have been managers over the over the years who've taken more exception to that than others. Let's say, yeah, pitfalls of the job. F- any favourite away days? Any favourite grounds in particular over the over the years or well, one, one I remember and it wasn't a favourite but we went to Darlington in pretty much that first season I told you about when we got down to the fourth division and I travelled on the team coach and, we, and Darlington's ground there in Feetham Stadium was, was behind the cricket ground and when we got to the cricket ground entrance which you had to go through to, um, to get to the football ground the coach it was about six o'clock at night everything was pitch dark it was the middle of winter and the coach wouldn't get through the, <laughs> get through the gate so the players all had to get off and, and walk round the cricket and it was pitch dark it was absolutely pitch dark, and we didn't have any lights or anything. All you could see was like one light bulb in the distance, in because you know, it was about an hour and a half, hour and three quarters before the game. A little place like Darlington, and uh, I was walking around with Chris Garland, and 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 Chris tripped because we couldn't see where we were going, and and he had dodgy ankles, Chris. And, and you, I thought, oh God, don't say he's gone injured himself, you know, before the game. Luckily, he didn't. But we literally couldn't see our hands in front of our faces. Anyway, the following week, I told the people back in the office, oh, that make a great piece for for for. A, a feature we used to do inside the paper each day called Sports Scene. And I did this whole Sports Scene feast on a tor- the torchlight, you know, like taking the mickey away out of Darlington. Went there the following season, and before the game started, some bloke said, are you the bloke from the Bristol Post, Bristol Evening Post? And I, I, I said, yes, well, I'm chairman here, and you're not doing this club any good by writing what you did. And it was a year, a year later. And I, that taught me that you could... You could you, you write in for the Bristol Evening Post, but don't think it ain't going to be read all around the country because somehow by word of mouth or something, something goes round. And I thought that was a really early lesson learned that you, could, you couldn't write about Darlington in Bristol without Darlington getting to hear about it. Um, and I must say, Darlington were a very friendly club, but it, it just happened to be that, that night we, we, we had this pitch darkness. Um, thinking of a, other, uh, other what, what grounds did I like to visit? I mean, in the first division, I went. To, I, I was lucky. I went to Arsenal and, and covered them there, and that was just unbelievable because uh, Highbury. High had this big 
bust of Herbert Chapman, you know, when they were great managers in, as you walked in, there's huge sort of big area, sort of marble staircases and things like that, and you just went in and went, wow. And I remember it was the f- I always liked it where the food was good and the spread at Arsenal was, was particularly good, but uh, uh, I did do a few First Division games, as like I said, but I've not been lucky enough to do any since. Um, but yeah, though, I mean, a lot of away grounds I really liked, um, and championship, the facilities now are so good, that's one thing that's improved beyond all recognition, I mean, press boxes and, and, and press facilities have improved. It's not, it's just press relations with the, with the clubs and the, particularly the players uh, that, have, that have not improved, but uh, certainly we're, we're lucky and we're, we're, you know, we're cosseted, aren't we now? Nice meal here at Ashton Gate before a game. Rovers, we get a pie, <laughs> which is great, and a coffee. Um, uh, and I've never been, even when I'm, I'd like to stress this, I've, even though I'm associated with City, I've never, even when I was a supporter, I was never one of those who loved City and hated Rovers. I, I never thought that made sense, because to me, the better Rovers did, the better City did. And, and you've only got to look at the way they followed each other around the leagues, you know, not necessarily recently, but before that. You know, they both won promotion the same season in 89-90. And I always thought that Rovers doing well put pressure on City to do even better, you know? And where City, if they were way above Rovers, could just sort of relax and rest on their laurels. So I've seen some great things at Rovers, and, and I was very, very friendly with um, Ron Craig, who, who became chairman there and was a director, and whose wife Anne is still president. And I was friendly enough with them that my wife and I used to go on holiday with them, and Ron and I used to have wonderful arguments about City and Rovers. But I've made many, many friends at Rovers over the years, and they're a very friendly club in general. They've had their ups and downs, like an ups and different managers and that sort of thing as well. I think I, think I've, I, think I was looking the other day, and I think I've dealt with 21. And city managers and 22 Rovers managers. So you can tell how many changes there have been in, in, in throughout, the, throughout the 40, 40 years. But uh, again, some good, some bad. But uh, I, I've always been well received at Rovers. I, I think the fans see me as a, as a, as a city supporter. But in fact, I support Everton. <laughs> and that's even yeah, worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to ask you about that actually, Richard. Just, just finally, um, I've, from my point of view, it always seems like you've you've had um, a fantastic relationship with the supporters. I always see mm. um, fans coming over and speaking to you, asking how you're doing and everything. I, I was wondering, has that been built up, or did you always have a great relationship oh, with no. the supporters? And also, ha- have you found it tough? I guess you've become invested in the clubs. Would you almost classify yourself as a supporter of City or Rovers because you? been covering them for so long or or have you always steadfastly removed yourself from that because uh, it's maybe an advantage to be objective if you're a city fan from birth or virtue i mean i watched my first games in right 66 67 had a season ticket here and you can't get rid of that you can't say overnight well i'm not going to support them now that i uh, but what i'm I'm trying to say is that i've never wished rovers ill because i'm a uh, i wanted the city job and that's what i got um but I've always tried to, to, to be objective about both, and I want both to do well. I really do. I, I think, as I keep going back to, I think the better Rovers do, you know, City can be fine in the Championship as long as Rovers are in League One. Suddenly, if Rovers come into the Championship and start doing as well, they've got to start thinking about... I mean, I know they're already looking at kicking on to the Premier League, but, but that would just be that extra edge. At the moment, they're the top club in Bristol by a mile. You know, better facilities, but higher standard of football. But Rovers getting, you know, a wonderful result today. If they were somehow to get promotion into the Championship, you know, this lot would have to sort of think... You know, Christ, you know, hang on a minute, they could overtake us. Um, I'm not saying that's likely to happen because there's, there's a big gap now between League One and the Championship. But uh, I do wish Rovers well as, as, as well as City. I want Bristol football to do well. And I want us to have a Premier League team again. 
Um, and I think we will. Uh, I don't know how long it'll take, but uh, but I, th- I think I think City have, have, have certainly got the infrastructure now, um, as well as they've ever had it to to, to go into the Premier League. A, a good young manager, and I know they've been booed off today, but but they, these things happen. And you have you know they're not the sort of team that's going to go through a season in the Championship winning every week. They're not that good, but they're, they're, but they're a committed bunch, I think. And that's what I ask for from like any team I go and watch. I think if the players are putting it in, that's that's fantastic. So I'd love to see City in the Premier League, but I'd love to see Rovers get promotion as well. Um, it's a very, very, very happy team, and I'd love to see Everton even more um, because I really started to support them when David Moyes, who became a friend while he was here, went went there as manager. And of course, David was there ten or eleven years, and I would take my son up there uh, and watch training and everything. David was brilliant. I'm, I'm very much hoping he's back there again soon. But um, uh, it's been hard being an Everton supporter over the last few years, but we've stuck it out, and maybe, maybe now that there's a bit of light at the end of the tunnel there. Hopefully so, and for all three clubs, maybe. But Sorry, yeah, no, great. The thing I asked about the supporters is no, certainly not. I wasn't. I was. People are suspicious of you when you start. Who's this guy? You know. Uh, so you don't. You do have to build it up. And I think as long as they see you're criticising and, and, you're, and you're doing the job properly and working for them, not the club, then I, th- I think they will eventually get to respect you. And the, the ones, of course, I go on best with now are the senior Reds, um, who've seen, who've sort of followed my stuff all the way through for, for the 40 years. I, I think it's fair to say I am very popular with them, and, and I love, the, love them to bits. And if you go to one of their meetings, you get a real sort of balanced view of things rather than, we lost on Saturday, shock horror, you know. They, they take the bigger picture, and I, li- I like that. So, yeah, I think that's, that has been built up over the years, but it was easier to do in those days because you were closer to the team, you were closer to the supporters, Everything was because it was smaller. It was small time. Now here we are, sat in the middle of Ashton Gate, and it's big time, isn't it? It's big. It's a big club, but everything's big, so you don't get to know the staff. You don't, and, and, and you don't as close to the supporters. Plus, let's keep going back to the fact: if you, they think you're you're doing a good job, if you're prepared to criticise and not be frightened off by some bloke saying to you you shouldn't be writing that or something like that, and if you, if you're prepared to do that, then you gain their respect. And I think that's all you can ask for. So some great stories there from Richard. I love that one about going to Darlington and. And also interesting to hear his views, as I say, on on the work of the media these days and and football journalism in in general. We always want to hear your views. And if you feel there's anything we could be doing better or that we should be covering, then do get in touch. You can find us on social media or you can even email me. My email address is gregor.mcgregor at reachplc.com. I always have to explain it's a strange name to everybody, but you guys know that already. So just going to finish off the podcast. We're going to hear from Jamie McAllister in a minute because I caught up with the Bristol City squad and McAllister at the Children's Hospice Southwest. The club were making their uh, annual Christmas trip and um, all the players were there, all the staff were, Mark Ashton, Lee Johnson, all or Dean Holden, Jamie McAllister, all these guys, plus support staff as well, the likes of Matt Parsons. And it was great to see, to be honest. I got down there and it was almost like um, a, a sort of party was going on. There was, there was a lot of smiling faces and that was the players as well as the kids down there. And uh, yeah, big shout out, obviously, to the, to the staff there at the Children's Hospice Southwest because they do a fantastic job, do some great work. Um, just moving on, obviously, it's Sheffield Wednesday up next then for Bristol City. Gary Monk's side, who had a fantastic result last weekend. You probably haven't, um, you, you probably won't have missed it. They won 4-0 at Nottingham Forest, which I think is an amazing result. They were actually 4-0 up, if you haven't seen it, by half-time. There's a couple of videos you, you may have seen on social media that were doing the rounds of the uh, Sheffield, um, sorry, the Nottingham Forest fans leaving the city ground at half-time after seeing their, their club go down that many goals. They just didn't want to stick around and see if they could get back into it. 
I really rate Nottingham Forest. I think they're a class side under Sabri Lamushi. They really impressed when they came to Ashton Gate. Remember, they held the Robins off at wings length and, and Lee Johnson's side couldn't even get a shot on target that day. So for Sheffield Wednesday to win 4-0 at Nottingham is an amazing result and, uh, and yeah, probably a portent that we don't want to see. Obviously, the danger man that day... Uh, sorry, this last weekend was Jordan Rhodes. He hit a hat-trick, so he could well be the man that needs close marshalling this coming weekend from the likes of Thomas Callas and Nathan Baker. So, yeah, we're going to hear from Jamie McAllister here. I asked him a number of things, specifically about the reaction to that Blackburn Rovers disappointing result, whether the club are working on set pieces and, and what the plan is moving forward. Here's what Jamie had to say. Jamie, some great scenes down here at Children's Hospice Southwest. What's going on today for um, regarding the players? I think it's a humbling experience for someone that's not been here. I think a lot of what they have in their life they take for granted and come to a place like this and see what it's all about, really. Um, a lot of the boys have got kids. I mean, come to see some of the kids here, it's kind of heartbreaking that they don't just lead a normal life. Um, but you see the looks on their face when they see the lads and see us walk through the doors. It's amazing. Gives you such a buzz. And um, the staff here, what they do for the kids and the families is unbelievable. Yeah, I was going to say, loads of happy faces here. But it's not just the kids, actually. It's the players as well. They, they, they get a lot from this, I think, don't Yeah, they? the lads love it. I mean, we've got a lot of lads that are ambassadors, a lot of staff that are ambassadors, and we do a lot of work as much as we can for the hospice um, and try to help in any way we can. But the lads love coming here. You see today the turnout every year. And, do things through the year also not just just at Christmas but we try and do as much as we can to help you're one of the ambassadors aren't you I think is, yeah, it, is yeah. that right and so you, you pop down here from time to time would that be right or do you yeah, try and, work? yeah try and pop in we've done the fire walk myself and a few other staff Dave and that done the fire walk to raise some money for the hospice as well and the lads are what they do I mean they get a lot of stick for different things in the media and that but the lads are really dedicated to the, the hospice and the what they do that goes unnoticed is unbelievable to be fair. Yeah, how are your feet after the fire walk? walk they're, they're okay, they were not singed at all, are they? No, no, it was good. It's more mind of a matter, really. Um, uh, but it's nothing to what these families are going through with their kids and that, so it's uh, anything we can do to help. On to uh, the game at the weekend. Um, uh, obviously, Blackburn Rovers. It was a loss. What, what have you guys noticed watching the game back as you obviously do the analysis afterwards? How, how do you feel about it now? I think it's just an opportunity missed. Um, also, we respect all the teams in the Championship, but we felt we kind of fell short in doing the basics, uh, winning tackles, getting on second balls, earning the right to play, um, which is disappointing. It's not, it's not like us. Um, we can do both sides of the game. We can mix up the best of them and we can play. So I think we can focus maybe not focused too much but didn't focus enough on doing the dirty side of the game because they came with quite a physical side athletic side quite physical and big um, and we didn't match that and we don't match that in any game you don't give yourself a foot over in the game or a platform to build on so I think that's the essentials and the fundamentals you have to do it every game to then play yeah sure You've kind of answered my next question. I was going to say, does City have some work to do to be able to match these physical sides? Because we've seen like Wigan recently as well, another physical side. Tough to beat them as well. Um, is that where the Robins have to improve a little bit? No, as I say, the boys can do it. We've got, we've got some tough lads in the team. The boys can tackle. And, um, we can run, we can outrun most teams. Um, 
it's just putting importance on it every game but you got to do this to earn the right to play you can't just turn up and expect to play lovely parts of foot parts of play and go and do what we want on the ball if you don't you have to get the ball first so to get the ball you have to win tackles you have to get on seconds and that gives you the platform to play so we didn't do that as well as we have been in the last game or two and it shows in the results there was some some feisty incidents on Saturday as well what happened in the tunnel at half time was there anything going on there it looked like maybe it's a bit pushing the shipping yeah just a little thing between their staff and our staff nothing really just a bit of frustration boiling over from both I think um, yeah it's just, it happens City's home form is now one win in the last five home games. What do you put that down to? Um, to? Because it did look like they'd maybe turned the corner with the Huddersfield kind of win. That was a great performance. Um, do you see this as just a blip or, or is there more to it? How do you guys view it? No, well, I think it's just... I quite appreciate that teams are going to come to Ashton Gate and it shows a lot of respect the way they set up um, the majority of teams have come with a low kind of mid-block be hard to, hard to break down hard to beat and then counter on us um, and we're getting we're definitely getting a lot better at breaking teams down and finding ways to, to break teams down but we've got to do the last side of it as well when we're attacking we've still got to think defend so it's getting that balance in both and the last two results have just been disappointing um, but we don't want to focus too much on that it's been a great start to the season we're in a good place there's a lot of games coming up over the next 10-11 days 4 games in 10-11 days and a lot can happen then we go and win the next 4 and it's, it's an unbelievable start so um, we just got to put it right on Sunday make sure everything we worked on this week uh, comes out on Sunday and we put on a performance that makes the society fans that are travelling on Sunday proud um, and we get back on track Is set pieces one of those things you might be working on this week because obviously one conceded against Blackburn I think there was a couple against Wigan one up at Barnsley so there's been a few goals from set pieces just now. is that something City needs to tighten up on? There's things we work on every day um, and that's the basics that's what we're talking about you've got to earn the right to play tackles second balls matching runners and set players is key the work we do and the detail we do it comes down to the players on the pitch executing that and making sure having that actual man man doesn't score don't get blocked don't turn your back on the ball and do what it takes to keep the ball at the net so yeah we spoke about the last few days and it's something that yeah we get better definitely is it a bad time to face Sheffield Wednesday they're in form I think they've got well, they had a great win at the weekend against Nottingham Forest 4-0 up by half time I think it's a good time playing they'll be confident they might be a bit complacent so it's up to us it's what we do we've got to focus on us if we perform the way we can we can beat anyone in the league um, so if we get our game right on Sunday and go there obviously we respect where they are in the league and they're in a good vein of form but ultimately it's up to what we do if we perform the way we can then we'll get a right good chance of winning again Lee Johnson said that there was going to be a behind closed doors game against Swindon this week yeah. um, how do you get on in that one? yeah that, that'll be tomorrow um, so we'll just get some minutes out a few of the lads that need minutes and maybe working a few things in that as part of like a training session uh, so yes yeah, it's a good game for lads that need minutes is, um, is Taylor more fit for selection? He wasn't in the squad, I don't think, on Saturday. Was that yeah, it tells us very How far away is Jay De Silva from being in the squad? So next door, seems in him. Yeah, it's great to have Jay back. Yeah. Uh, Bobby, little character. He's got some great quality. Um, he's been on the grass the last week, 10 days. He's still non-contact, so I've got another 
that a while before he's, he's back in action, but it's great to see him on the grass. And, and I think I'm right saying, did you go up to Preston last night to watch the under-18s and the FA Youth Cup? And what kind of game was it? What did you notice up there? City obviously lost, unfortunately, didn't they? But yeah, um, yeah, we've done a lot of prep for that last couple of weeks. Um, involved in that, it's, it's, it's been really good. It's a great group. The under-18 squad, I said at the moment, is a great group. There's some top players in there. Um, it was disappointing last night. Went up to the game and first half, the boys didn't really turn up. Press them were very direct, um, and we didn't deal with that. And then the scores like a minute before half time. But we had a chat at half time with the lads, and the lads came out flying. To be fair, um, and you couldn't get that goal to get back in the game. Second half, but some of the stuff, some of the performances, second half were excellent. Um, young Will Bush and goal made some great saves. He was very good. Um, Joe Lowe was excellent. Centre back. Um, Sam Pearson was bright up front, just to get enough in the final third. Um, and then Preston, when we were on top, Preston scored a second goal, which was a great finish, volley into the upside, top corner. And that kind of killed the game a little bit. But yeah, frustrated even because the group that's there should we should have should have done better. Just finally, wanted to ask you about one of those guys in the squad last night. Um, I think he only came on for the last ten minutes. Eamon Benaroos, if I can, if I say his name. Yeah. But I think, yeah, I think he's, um, I've heard a lot of chatter about him being a, a very good prospect at Bristol City. Gary Prober has, has told us before that he's, he's a guy who can do exciting things. I think he's trained with the first team a, a few times, but I know yeah, guys yeah. regularly have, have guys like that training yeah. with the first team. What can you tell fans about him? Because he, he was one that was called up with the England under-17s not so long ago, and not the full squad, but to train with them. So he's obviously a guy who's on the radar of England. Well, we haven't seen him, well, I haven't personally seen him play very much yet, so what can you tell fans who maybe haven't seen much yet of him? Yeah, he's like a little number 10, exciting. can play left, right, th- through the middle. Um, very good ball control, and that plays the ball well. Um, good vision, good awareness. He's exciting to watch. And when he came in and trained with us, played a little five-a-side during training, I think he scored like three goals in about five minutes, and the lads were like, wow, who's this lad? Um, so he's, he's a talented player but there's a lot of talent in the 18s um, young Marley who came on last night was only 16 was excellent um, got a bright future and um, Sam Bell Sam Pearson and, and, um, it's a good group of players isn't it I yeah, think at that level don't want to single anyone out but yeah. it's a good group there's some, there's some um, good young players coming through which is exciting nice one we'll keep an eye up um, nice one. cheers Maka thanks very much cheers Jamie McAllister there with the latest and good to hear from the Scottish and former under-23s coach and who was, uh, as you heard there, who was up in Preston recently keeping an eye on several of the young talents coming through at Bristol City. There are There is a lot of talent in that academy. I know that myself. I've watched a lot of those guys. I really rate them very highly and... Um, yeah, good to hear um, the views of one of the coaching staff there too. So, yeah, what do you fancy, guys, for this weekend? Can Bristol City get the win? Can they return to form? Or is that unfortunately going to be a third defeat on the trot? I think it's going to be very, very tough to get anything from Hillsborough. I'll be up there myself. Will you guys be going? Hopefully see you there if you are. If not then there'll be a new Robins on the wire very soon. Not next week because it's Christmas. We'll have a week off, but there'll be one the week at, the, the week after that. So we're looking at the beginning of January, Wednesday, January the 1st, or more, more likely Thursday, January the 2nd, following the New Year's Day game against Brentford. Obviously, Leeds and Char- um, sorry, Luton Town to visit 
uh, Ashton Gate, and before that, Charlton on Boxing Day. Now, I do think personally that once um, Sheffield Wednesday are out the way, they've they've won three of their last four games, so that is going to be tough. I do think Bristol City have got fixtures that they can get something from. I fancy it, fancy it to be a good time to face Charlton because they've got a lot of injuries. Could only name six players on their bench, for example, the other day. And Luton Town, yeah, they were very good at Kenilworth Road, but I'm not too sure if they're quite so good on their travels. So that will be an interesting one. That will test the strength of their squad. And I do think that actually Bristol City do have a lot of good quality players across the team there. Maybe we haven't seen or worked out what the best 11 just is yet, but they do have strength in depth. So I think that'll, that'll sort of play into, into the, the hands of Bristol City a little bit before Brentford come. And that potentially could be a, a huge, huge game. Just going to round off with a little bit of transfer talk. As I mentioned at the sort of early on in the podcast, we are expecting... Bristol City to bring in two strikers in the in January. That's what we're being told by our, our sources. Um, we we fully expect a, a loan and maybe a permanent deal, and that Bristol City are aiming to reinforce their front line with guys who can make an impact. That's the key thing Mark Ashton explained. Guys who can make an impact at this level straight away. So, yeah, hopefully good news on that front. We'll we'll most likely have an update in our very next Robins on the Wire. Do uh, obviously visit the website to keep an up to keep an eye on everything happening uh, in real time and, and, and breaking news. We have a blog every day and all the transfer news, and we'll be re- bringing you transfer stories in the in the next few days. In fact, I've got a few things I've been told today that I'll be writing up tomorrow and hopefully uh, publishing later on. So yeah, things happening all the time, and um, and certainly still a chance that Bristol City can achieve their ambitions and finish in the top six this season. Let's see if they can do it. Hopefully catch you next time, guys. Thanks for listening. Robins on the Wire.